I'm Linda Fox. I'm senior reporter with Focuswire. I'm in the Focuswire studio at the Focusrite conference. I'm delighted to welcome Mike Scott from Derive and Mia Morissette from Inovia. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. So let's start with how tough a year it's been for travel startups. Is it going to improve? I sure hope so. Yeah. I I think, uh, I mean, the underlying travel demand still remains strong. I think that is helping kind of lift the market up. And I think really for startups, it's not just travel. It's across the board in a lot of different categories. And there's some macro factors that I think need to fall into place. But um, we continue to be optimistic on the category. Yeah. I think on the later stage front, um, I think the companies that had to do something in the past kind of 18 months needed to do something. Sure. And that's why, you know, we talked about insider round, structured round, convertible desk, those type of instruments. I do think like now 2023 was a reset year that companies have worked on their fundamentals. So the ones that will decide to raise will probably be a lot more opportunity because there's a secondary happening, a MMA happening, a very specific kind of push launch. So I do think there's going to be a lot more um, kind of alignment between what we're seeing in type of deals, at, at least on the later stage, hopefully in 2024 going forward. Okay. I mean, and as, you know, professionals that are seeing the money flow in, flow out, and thinking about, you know, pre-pandemic, when there was a lot of money being thrown at startups, that those silly days are gone, right? They're gone. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. And it also depends on the stage. I mean, later stage yeah. is very different than yeah, early stage. Yeah, for sure. That's, for, that's a fair yeah. point. And I think what we're starting to see, and we've seen some data to support this, is while there are less deals getting done, the actual average deal value at the seed early stage side has been increasing. It's kind of showing there's increasing demand for the earliest stage startups, but only the select really attractive ones are getting the funding, not everyone. Right. So there's a bit of more selectiveness in the market. Okay. Let's look at the... Um the opportunities, you know, where are the gaps? Where, where, where is the innovation? Do you anticipate investing in perhaps? Mm-hmm. Well, I think like two, three big themes for us. Um, I mentioned a bit earlier, but I think on the consolidation M&A wave, like we're seeing the rebundling of uh, software and hospitality happening. You know, there's all the platforms that they know they, they need to kind of grow bigger. And, yeah. like, and, and there's the, the solutions that, hey, Maybe I'm not going to be the consolidator and there's, you know, more value to partner up with someone. So I think consolidation is going to be a key theme. Yeah, I've seen some of that in the short-term rental markets and some yes. marketplaces being formed. I think short-term rental is definitely going to be one. In terms of hotel stack, the PMS sector, I think that's going to be another one that's going to be consolidated. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's one for sure. I think for us, it's interesting. We're branded Travel VC, but a lot of the strategic partners that have been coming to us are not necessarily travel yeah, companies. Yeah. And so we're seeing this increasing demand from retail, from multifamily, from all these different kind of sure, sectors the real outside of play. travel yeah. coming to travel because they realize how important hospitality and experience is to their parts of their business. And they're looking to incorporate that. And so I think one thing we're trying to encourage travel entrepreneurs is to think creatively about who your customer base could be. Yeah. It could really increase your market and, um, you know, who knows where the direction of your company could go, depending on what partners you kind of find for your business. I think you and your business partner, Tyler, have also talked about uh, finding, a, a, you know, a sort of services company that might be in travel, but that could be stretched beyond travel. Is that right? Absolutely. For derived ventures and yeah. investing the derivatives of travel. Yeah. And there's a lot of horizontal tech companies out there that would never consider themselves to be a travel company. But in fact, they are. They they do support a lot of functions of this industry. And um those are just as interesting as a vertical travel business for us. And B2B or B2C? 
Yeah, right now, I think uh, from an Inovia perspective, right now we're spending a lot more time on the B2B side because I think yeah. this is one where the disruption hasn't fully happened yet. And um, so, yeah, definitely on more on the B2B side. Like on the consumer side, the, the businesses that we think are interesting, like we've made some bets in uh, Hopper and Super.com that you can sure. label them as B2C. But they've kind of went a lot beyond just the pure OTA B2C market. They've, they, they've really disrupted with new offerings. And I think that's how... On the consumer side, we can get excited if uh, yeah. B2B is just, it's a little more defensive and yeah. uh, predictable. Consumer trends are cyclical and unpredictable at times. And, and there's so, been some shockers in B2C, so. Yeah, and I mean, there could be explosive growth, but it could, you know, retract quickly. And so I think given uncertainty in the market, B2B is a little more in flavor. Yeah, fair enough. Um you mentioned uh, particular rounds, late stage. Is is that is that where it'll be be tougher, or is that where the, it's proven track record? And you know, is it going to be sort of polarized? I suppose is what I'm asking. You'll see some seed, and then you'll see the late stage where it's proven. Is that what we're going to see? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be massive mega rounds like we've seen in the past because those massive mega rounds, it was a bit like you know, just like fueling growth for the purpose of fueling growth. So I think the rounds are going to be more strategic, slightly smaller uh -huh. on the later stage front. I think a lot of the actors um, that invested in travel before um, have exited. Like if I, so I think now it's like the more the pure kind of operator GP focused VCs that will take a, a heavy look at the space. So, so no, I think like there will definitely be some growth stage, but a lot more focused, I would say. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, for us on the growth stage, we'll, we'll selectively uh, participate in that. And it's really looking for good businesses that, uh, are kind of raising insider rounds or... Uh, yeah, because you, you guys are small check at the beginning so that you're in on it and then hopefully add yeah. on later, right? And really finding opportunities for us to add differentiated strategic value. Th those are kind of the growth stage opportunities we're looking for. And um, yeah, we're seeing a lot of those being presented. It's a good time for us to be entering the market, frankly. Great. Okay. Now, um, what should startups be doing? What should they be thinking about when it comes to attracting funding right now? For us, it's, I think, thinking about just the quality of their revenue. And, and if you think about how revenue is derived, and there's certain ways to get revenue quickly, but it might not be the most stable or highest quality revenue. And so, um, you know, we like recurring software yeah. type revenue businesses. And, yeah. and those are very easy to underwrite and predict. And those are the ones I think getting the best funding. And, mm -hmm. um, so that that is just thinking about the pricing model, how you're deriving revenue is is um critical. So I, I agree with that. I think like there's a number of marketplaces in hospitality, probably more than other sectors. And sure. I think like we're not opposed to that. I think to your point is the revenue quality and like those unit economics around CAC payback, are you profitable in like in the first transaction? What's a repeat? Those are gonna be important factors. Beyond just the revenue model, I do think um being prepared and ready it's not the same time as before so you know, don't come talking to vcs if you have less than 12 months of cash runway it won't work out right um so like being overly prepared on when is the right time to kind of start having those discussion and, and i think it's uh, also being very honest about where you are in your positioning right now um you know we've often seen like the type of two successful companies that we see i talk about consider or the ones that have a very unique moat that we're expecting it to stay the ones that are in between they can have a great outcome but I, those companies that have had great outcomes, they were very strategic about when is the right time to maybe partner up with someone. Okay. So then will investors be looking for anything different 
going forward, like in the next, say, six months than say that they have, you know, this year? I would say the profile of company and what their, their, their value prop will probably evolve, but I don't think it's going to be disruptively very different. I think to Mike's point, it's probably about the, the economics that we're going to look at. Um, that, that is going to be overlow, uh, overly kind of overlooked at when we do our due diligence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just a gravitation towards more fundamental analysis right now. Yeah. And so yeah. what is the path to profitability? Um, you know, what is your cost structure? Are you getting to unit economics that are sustainable for um, an attractive business? And, yeah, long-term growth, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes that might not exist yet, but what is the founder's vision at the earliest stage to, to get there? And I think articulating that story is important, right? Mm-hmm. And I think with the whole wave of AI, with like the whole long-term moat is going to be specifically important because a lot of those businesses are more on those kind of Easier use cases, if I can say, on the content planning, on the, you know, customer support automation, marketing automation. So you've seen a lot of that wave happening. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that question around what's your long term mode, because I do think this mode is going to be quickly commoditized. Um, Yeah, I think it was something like the most recent ChatGPT update, like about half of YC's batch of startups. And it's, yeah, it's such a fast evolving category in particular. Yeah, so so by that kind of token, in the same way that people started adding dot blockchain or whatever it was, you know, a couple of years ago, now they started, you know, adding dot AI, is that, you know, are investors buying into that kind of hype? I mean, perhaps there's some that, that, that attracts some attention. But in reality, I think uh, every business is going to using some component of AI, I think, uh, going forward. And it's how are they using the application of their business to effectively use it uh, the best? And that's what we're looking for. We're we're looking for applications that have a defensible mode. And you can get that through brands, through loyalty, through just better, you know, partnerships. But an AI just makes that better. I I don't know if AI is necessarily what is... um, creating the moat yeah the business fundamentals so many I think, yeah. yeah what we counsel our companies is like have a defensive ai strategy you need to know what's going on you need to know what's table stake and what you're going to need just to have so so that's like what the advice that we're giving to all our companies on the offensive part and this is where for companies like what we're do you have are you tackling something big with a measurable outcome and you have a property set of data that's what we're going to be very excited to see on the application front, uh-huh. but I think we're very early days on that. Yeah, no, fair enough. What about um, mergers and acquisition type activity? Is that more likely than, you know, big rounds? And Right now, so my deal flow on the later stage front was pretty empty the first half of the year. The second half of the year deal flow went like this. Yeah. I think it's going to be actionable probably next year if I'm being transparent. But I'm mentioning this because all the deal flow that we're looking at m a is probably 50%. Uh, it does seem to have picked up in the last... 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I do think it's going to be a big part of the 2024, 2025 story. Yeah. Do you think... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I would love to see more, frankly. I think there's just a lot of opportunity. Companies doing the same thing, dupli- uh, yeah, duplicating expenses. Efforts, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, can founders check egos and consolidate to... It's a good um, point. To build something better and it's tough because you know you got two leaders with a vision and it's like can you is there something greater than the sum of the parts uh to achieve and so hopefully there's more m a out there well we'll just as we 
kind of wrap up here, talking about founders and egos, we just launched our Hot 25 startups for 2024 yesterday. And obviously, you know, the, the idea of the, the team in place is super important when you're an investor, isn't it? So just talk to me a few minutes about that. And at, at what point do you go, okay, you're the founder and you're great and you have the vision, but actually we need a solid CEO or a solid CFO. Just talk to me about the dynamics. For sure. And I think that's probably a phenomenon that we see a lot in the growth stage because often, and that's normal, you know, the, the series AB team might not be the series exactly. F, you know, a later stage team. Yeah. And that's okay. So I think that's for us, like the alignment with the founder, where he see his company going, where he see how he builds his team is super important, like pre-term sheet phase to make sure we're all in alignment um, around that point. Um, so I think like that, that element is important, that kind of like building the trust, credibility, um, and being transparent with what's going on and that, hey, like, I want to learn. I think that's the type of dialogue that's really important early on in that relationship. Uh, otherwise, yes, it does create uh, some issues down the road when yeah. those discussions are happening. Yeah. I think that's the most challenging part of venture and particularly yeah. coming from the private equity world where this is not really an issue and you have the control. It's You need to kind of massage the situation yeah. sometimes. <laughs> and I think how we mitigate that uh, derive is just the construction checks, the small checks up front. You can kind of tease out how things are playing out before you make a big commitment um, and can kind of influence the direction. And if things are going the way you want them, then we can back up with more conviction. If not, then it's, you know, we're in with our little construction check and that's kind of the risk return profile we're looking for. Great. Mia, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Thanks, Linda. Linda.